baked beans. We've got all the uh, Wait a minute. ingredients here. Stuffing and baked beans? Uh, well, in, in, <laughs> stuffing and baked beans? Well, those are two separate crockpots here now, okay? We're talking about two different stuffing dishes here. Stuffing and baked huh? beans? Can we come over? <laughs> I, I love stuffing and baked beans. I, I then, love stuffing, so you could... Do you? Yeah, what? ooh, yum. So, uh, now... How hmm. did you make your stuffing? Well, this is not the old homemade recipe. This is just kind of a... Uh, this is Dan the Man's special ingredient recipe, huh? This, this is stovetop stuffing, but I'm putting in uh, chicken broth, and I have a pound of real butter that I'm going to use, and also uh, putting in some uh, actual chicken, too. A pound of butter? You're going to make, uh, what What are you having as the main item? Is it chicken or turkey or ham or what? We're having uh, actually a, uh, uh, it's called honey baked ham. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, sir. Okay. I didn't know if they were nationwide. Yep, yep. They've been here for some time. Um, yeah, that's basically people are just bringing dishes and uh, I'm going to bring some stuffing and uh, then I'm, uh, I have, I'm fixing baked beans. I'm taking all this. I have crock pots that I use, and um, I'm going to start those here. And I have, uh, I'm making baked beans, and I've bought uh, How do you make your, ham to put in the baked beans. How do you make your baked beans? I'm using just um, Van Camp's pork and beans. Oh, man, and, are you cheating or what? <laughs> well... It's like... You got Van Camps in a can and stove top in a box. You're going to be fired. And I'm, I'm, putting, I'm putting actual butter in the stove top. <laughs> Instead of just margarine, I'm putting actual... And then I'm using, you know, actual... I, I, I doctor things up. I'm not the best cook in the world. And, you know, I'm just trying my best. Well, you know, I, shame on me. I, I should have given you credit for doing, not what you're doing, but for doing it all, because not everybody would do that. So so you get, let me see, out of a 10, we'll give you seven. How's that? Okay. Well, I'm taking dessert, too. I'm taking a pie. I'm taking a, uh, I'm taking a, uh, it's an apple, drusel, uh, caramel pie. Woohoo! Oh. To a 10. Oh, man. He went yes. to 10. Oh, man. So, ding, 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 Can we ding. come? When are we, we invited to come eat at your place, Dan? Well, it will be at noon Eastern, which will be, what, 8 your time? <laughs> <laughs> you can eat your way across the time zone. I know. <laughs> That's good. How many people will be there? Well, it will be my brother mm -hmm. and his wife and my niece and then my older niece who is uh, recently married as of this fall, uh -huh. and then uh, my nephew and his wife, and their uh, two little uh, kids. One is two years old, and one is, gosh, about six months now. Oh, wow. Then we have my sister-in-law's brother and his wife, and I'm trying to think, and it, it will just be, that will be the core, and I take that back, um, my sister-in-law's father and mother will be there and could be other people it's just you know people drop by and leave as they wish so well, that's 
close. I hope Those he made people. a passel of beans. Wow, what a group! <laughs> That's, you're going to have to make a lot of beans for 20 people or whatever, Dan. I have uh, one of the, I'm not sure how large, is, uh, you know, can, I have a large can of Van Camps. Very large. And, yes, one of the, one of the not the huge cans, but. I mean, no, not, like you're having hot dogs and beans. This is, you know, an an, an adjective next to the main course. Yes, yes, correct, correct. I like that, an adjective. This is good. That's right, that's right. So how is everybody this morning? Very well, thank you, except that you guys are making fun of me. I'm not making fun of you. How am I making fun of you? Oh, you're all joshing me about sports. I'm not joshing you about sports. What were you joshing me about? I don't know. What did he start out with, Walden? Help me. Help me? Yeah. Bird care. Birds. The birds. The birds. The birds. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Not my birds, man. I thought you were talking about a chicken goose. And I do not mean a goose. I mean a bird with wings type goose. (laughs) (laughs) So there. See, I got this all straightened out. Well, Dan, when you were growing up on the farm, what was your traditional Christmas meal for you guys? uh, Was it not always honey baked ham, I'm assuming? What did you grow up on? We usually had... um Usually for Thanksgiving it was turkey, and then for Christmas it was ham, or, yeah, usually ham. Uh-huh. And, you know, sometimes we would have a hog that would be butchered. And other times we would go and, you know, just buy, you know, the ham out of the store. Um, here in this area we had uh, Fisher's hams were quite um, common. And they, they're still around, they're not... Um, made in Louisville, as mm. they once were. They're mm. now made in Owensburg, Kentucky. But, uh, you know, we usually have ham, and, you know, that would be garnished with mm. pineapple. And then we would make homemade dressing, and, you know, just a lot of our dishes, you know, mashed potatoes would be out of the garden, corn would be out of the garden, green beans would be out of the garden. Wow. Um, you know, and, you know, it, a lot of our holiday meals were not really that unusual. I mean, you know, we had so much garden stuff that my mother would can. My mother once canned 210 quarts of green beans. Holy cow. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> but we, we would help her, you know, when things, you know, would um, you know, be ready for picking out the garden. We would sit down and... Uh, we would string and snap green beans, and we would can peas and oh, be corn. Oh, my little heart. And you didn't invite me to have beans? I love beans. I learned an awful lot of uh, foods that I don't like. Hmm. Yeah. Now, did you, did, I'm assuming, did your mom jar things, too? Did she, would she make preserves and jelly and things like that, too? Mm-hmm. We would, uh, usually it would be grape jelly, and that we would, uh, you know, that was our... Main, you know, like you know, jelly. Uh-huh. Uh, we also uh, we also had uh, purple plums, and we would uh, make plum jelly. That was really good. Oh. 
and then uh, strawberry preserves. We we would make something called freezer jam that we would put in um, little uh, half pint containers, and uh, that was always good too. Wow. Blackberry jelly. We we have blackberries here in this area, and that would also make you know for very good jelly. But uh, you know, that's just what we did. Yeah. You know, I, did your mom bake bread? My mother really never baked bread that often. My grandmother would make yeast rolls. Um, my um, aunt, one of my aunts, mm-hmm. her husband um, wanted biscuits for every meal. Every meal? Every meal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cowie could, could we have a little chat here, sir? <laughs> Not you. <laughs> Wow! Her, my mother made good attempts, but you know she had her strong, um, you know, she had her strong abilities in the kitchen, and you know she knew her weaknesses too. Um, and in fact, I was the one who um, I would make biscuits with Bisquick, and I would use um, you know milk and then Bisquick, and I made pretty good biscuits. I haven't done that for a while. Um, but my dad loved homemade biscuits because he lived with his aunt when he was um, a youngster. There were 24 years between my dad and my and his uh, sister, this aunt. Of course, he had um, three sisters in his family. There were nine brothers and three sisters. Wow. And uh, 24 years difference between and, and this aunt that I'm referring to. Now, you and, um, just figure that. Your grandmother, unless she had twins in there, did she have twins in there? No, she did not have twins. So she was bearing children for 24 years. Every other year she would pay And actually, she was, she was motherly for more than 24 years because she was nine months before the first one arrived. So we're talking 25 years of babies. She... Cats... My my grandmother, who I never met, um, was um, she she died six years after my dad was born, mm. and um, kind of my dad never really had that much of a mother figure, mm-hmm. and uh, my grandfather was fifty six when my dad was born, and uh, I oh, think my. about twenty years difference between my grandfather and his. Um, and his wife. My goodness, what an assembly of ages. Quite a bit. Well, quite a family reunion when you get all the cousins together. When you say, and everybody overlapped. So how many cousins? Who are aunts and uncles who are younger than kids. So how many first, how many first cousins do you think the family had? It must have been a big family reunion with 12, 12 kids having offsprings. Mm-hmm, yes. Uh, I had a cousin who, um, uh, he was a generation younger than I am, but we're the same age, in school together. And people, I had to, you know, even, you know, when, when I was in high school, I had to explain that I was higher on the family tree than he was because um, my dad and his grandfather were brothers. You you could make the Mormons 
lose their minds. You know, those those are the people with the genealogy. <laughs> well, my dad, my grandfather, um, was born in 1879. Uh huh. So you know, and it, it's really I couldn't believe it. It's like you were born like 14 years after the Civil War, wow. and it's like, gosh. When um, you think but, about birthdays and birth years in terms of historic, monumental historic events. It's just mind-boggling how close we are to these historic mile markers in our history. For example, then, you get two generations away from the Civil War, practically. Yes, yes, completely. Mm -hmm. and, uh, That's amazing. Yeah, and... Well, I was just thinking, you guys remember in the 80s, we were still hearing about there were still widows of Civil War uh, people still alive. Uh-huh. That's amazing to think about it. You know, if a, if a guy in his 70 married a 20-year-old gal, in the 1980s, we still would have Civil War widows. Mm -hmm. I think the last Civil War widow just died within the last 20 years. Wow. I think I read that in the paper someplace. Yeah. Uh, another thing, being more seasonal here, uh, there was a show this afternoon on the radio, and I think it was on a Perry Como show, mm -hmm. and he had the actual um, Virginia, who wrote the letter, you know, about Santa oh. Claus. Wow. She was, I mean, this was all on the radio, and I don't know if it was a clip from the TV show. Uh -huh. That's been a TV show. But she was at reading her actual letter probably in the late 50s, early 60s, wow. whenever Perry Como had his show on. What a treat but, that was. Wow. You know, I thought, gee whiz, she must have been in her 80s. Well, I think he said on this clip that the letter was written like 60 years ago or, you know, somewhere in that vicinity. Oh, m much long, much long, much many years. Okay, I was looking today uh, in the old time radio diet, they published the, the letter from Virginia. It says she was eight years old, so whenever the letter came out. Mm-hmm. I'm not too yeah. sure when. Virginia. I think at the time, I think you said it was 67 years ago when the letter was published, mm -hmm. whenever that was done. Right. In the 60s, so. I think, was it 1893? I'm looking. Okay. It was way back then. Let's see. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. I tell you, though, you got to thank the producer for coming up with that idea. Very good, 1897. You good were right job, on. Good job, Dan. So, as you think, 60 years ago, um, that was 1957. So, probably a clip from the TV show. Probably so. Yeah. Yes. It was really, you know, amazing to, you know, hear her read, you know, this letter that, mm -hmm. you know, so famous, you know, that. Yeah. That became so famous. So. Great. My great grandmother was born four years before Lincoln was shot. In Germany, she was German. Right. And I met her several times. So I met a person who was older than Lincoln's death. Yeah. I was just, it blows my mind yeah. when things like that happen. Well, my, my great-grandfather and great-grandmother on my mother's side, they were both born in the 1880s, and they lived to the 19... One died in 1983, and one died in 1985, so... Wow, we're talking 100 years old here. Hmm? 
And my great-grandfather raised a huge garden until he was in his 80s. He would use a rototiller from one end of the garden to the other, and then he had two lawn chairs on either side of the garden. He'd rototill from one end of the garden to the other and take a break. And then he would work to the other end of the garden. So I have a long gardening tradition. (laughs) My goodness. Well, you're forgiven for the stovetop because you've got so many people coming together and you're using real butter, so you're forgiven. That's right. I I don't make the homemade dressing that often. I need to do that. I need to carry on the tradition. My um, sister has picked up the recipe quite nicely and she makes it very well. But I need to probably just do that more often and keep up the tradition. We use white bread in our dressing. We toast white bread, and then we saute um, onions and celery. Mm-hmm. Then we put, uh, I think the recipe calls for, in each batch, I think it's one egg, and I'm trying to remember, you know, when, when these family recipes are passed down from generation to generation, um, you know, measurements are just so... They're so, so uh, you know, a handful and a pinch, and yes. Yeah, yeah I, I remember asking my mother, you know, write down the recipe to, you know, for the family dressing recipe, and she said, well, there's really no recipe. You just add this, do this, you know, and... and my grandmother used to say, there is no recipe, I'm a dumper. <laughs> things into the pot. That's right. But, you know, it's really heartbreaking when, you know, these family members, you know, pass on, and then you think, okay, now how do you do this? You know, if you've uh-huh. been in the kitchen with them, or if you're not a regular cooker, then it's really hard to keep the recipe going. We have a recipe that uh, my grandmother when my mom and my aunt were uh, young, every morning, or you know, on request, my grandmother would make something called chocolate gravy. And, you know, that's one of these recipes that have really gotten lost. We think we know how it was made, but nothing was ever written down. And we think she used, like, cocoa with a little milk and maybe confectioner's uh, sugar. Mm-hmm. To make what? chocolate gravy, it was really a rich gravy, and uh, that's what they called it—chocolate gravy. As opposed to syrup or topping, or mm-hmm. what did you use it on? Uh, they would eat it with toast, of all things. Oh, I love it. Yeah, love it, Walden. Well, yeah, I need some chocolate gravy. I know. Well, you know what? You know what I love oh. too, and it's, uh, nothing like hot bread. And cinnamon toast, you know, just sprinkle it, make the sugar and the cinnamon, and just mm-hmm. put put butter on the toast and sprinkle it on. I mean, that's just another nice way to have toast. It works with sweet and low. Does it really? Uh huh. Nice. Fine, maybe. You know, I think sometimes I'm so accustomed to eating sugar-free stuff and. and you know, the sweet and low and, and all of the really good things that we have that my grandmother never had. Yeah. And I think I might be so accustomed to it that it would taste a 
little off to you, but it tastes just right to me. Well, I'm thinking, to be honest with you, I think sugar-free products are taking, have gotten so much better. I remember taking it as a kid 30 years ago, and you can really tell the difference oh, between... Oh, yes. Oh, between, yes. I mean, it was... It was ugly stuff uh, in you, a can when you when you, you got something like a tab instead of a coke. Yeah. Now, Whoa. now I cannot tell. I really cannot tell. So, like, there are some like some diet drink. I cannot tell. There's mm -hmm. no way you can tell. I don't believe in diet drinks, and I would rather have the actual real product, if you can call any soda a real product. Mm -hmm. I just don't believe in the sweetener. I, you know, there has not been enough research. There has not been enough, you know, time to tell what these sweeteners are doing to, you know, the human body. I mean, sugar's been around for Ever. eons, and but you don't know what saccharin will do to a body, you know, mm -hmm. 100 years after, you know, it's been, you know, Used. Oh, darn near that that amount of time. Mm -hmm, that's right. And it's been here and seems forever. Oh, I know, I have several relatives that have lived into their 80s, late 80s, or even 90s. My, the aunt I was referring to, who made biscuits for her husband, lived to be 96 years old. Yeah. And she had a steady diet of, you know, of pork, and she cooked with lard, and... Same way with my great grandfather and grandmother. You know, they didn't have Crisco. I mean, they didn't use it. And, you know, plain old, you know, pork lard was so prevalent that, you know, how can you argue with all oh, that's bad for, you know, the human body when they've lived so long? Well, there were some pioneers who lived that long as well, and they should never have even been able to cross the country. Completely. You know, that's right. Just just um, throw the dice in the genetic families. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know. My my family, we worry about all sorts of things like that. My mom's always been careful. But, you know, it's, just, it's amazing. For example, I was raised without salt. And most people, when they come eat with it, are just amazed we don't have a salt thing on the table. Yeah. You know, you, you might sprinkle it on when you're cooking, and that's about it. Sure. You know. I, I, my dad was one who um, had to have a salt shaker on the table, mm -hmm. and he would salt his food before he would eat it. And I know, growing up in that type of household, that you know, I am very—I don't really use salt mm -hmm. you know, except for cooking. And um, you know, I'm sure that's added years to my life. Mm -hmm. But you know, it. I don't know why um, why he was that way. Well, I, he worked out in the, you know, he, I mean, he was a construction worker, so maybe yeah. he, you know, had to have more salt in his, you know, system than other people. Because when you're out in 100 degree heat, you know, that uh, mm -hmm. make a difference, you know. I don't see how he, you know. I, I, I tell you, I don't know. I look at my... And I bet we all three can see this. You look at the family recipe, and mm -hmm. look at our relatives that lived in the on the farm seventy years seventy years ago. I look at the calorie intake. I mean, they're having both cake and pie for lunch. Yes, yes. Like three or four oh, different I, I know meats. my my diet has changed completely. I mean, you go in and you would have fried chicken and 
all the fixings. I mean, we would go, we would eat as when I was, you know, back on the farm, we would have the equivalent of, you know, uh, Cracker Barrel meals at every, you know, setting. Uh-huh. I mean, our diet, we would have pork chops for one family evening meal, uh, steak maybe twice a week, um, you know, chicken maybe twice a week. I mean, and to think, you know, of trying to eat that way today, I would weigh 500 pounds. But when you're out there building fence, digging post holes, and, you know, running down, you know, uh, you know baby calves, you, you burn through the calories. You need the extra food. So, so Dan, what was the big meal of the day? Was it noon for you when you were living on the farm? Usually our big meal was the evening meal. Okay. Because we usually have the evening meal whenever my dad, um, you know, we get home mm-hmm. from working. And uh, sometimes that was pretty difficult because, uh, you know, when he was working construction, uh, jobs and sometimes we'd have you know quite a drive home and uh, you know sometimes it was hard to wait you know till he got home mm-hmm. but uh, you know you just did what you know I mean that was the that was the family you know custom you know you sit around the evening you know uh, table and you shared you know what happened you know, during your day, and, and uh, of course, you would hear tales of, you know, my father and what he was doing, you know, working construction jobs and running cranes and, you know, heavy equipment, and, uh, you know, that was quite interesting at times. Mm-hmm. Family stuff. That is good. Are you in the market for a question? It's- That's a question. Yes, I am. What do you win? And it's not a sports question. Those are S-words, and we are almost finished with S-words. I only have one more left. Sure, why not? All right. We have... Let me see here. Well, I'll give you a choice. Do you want a musical one, Christmas music, or do you want old-time radio? Gosh. Now, are we talking about Christmas music with with a music question? Well, I have music questions and I have old-time radio questions. Which would you like? Christmas music. Let's go with the music question. Let's go with Christmas music. One Christmas song includes city sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. And on every street corner you hear. What do they hear? You would hear Silver Bell. Oh, very good. Very good. And what would the original version of the song, though? I'm sorry, what did you say? The originally, when the song was written, it was not Silver Bells. What was it? Tinkle Bell. There you go, Patricia. Really? I knew that I couldn't think of that just all. Uh-huh. I, I did know that there was. Was, was, there a, was there a change? Yes. Was there copyright? No. No? The songwriter, and I met both of them, Jay Livington and Ray Evans, were worked yes. for Paramount, and they, uh, they need to write their Christmas song for Bob Hope, uh-huh, yeah. and they wrote the song for Tinkerbell, mm-hmm. and he went home, Jay went home, and his wife said, what do you do today? And he said, well, we wrote a Christmas song, and it's called Tinkerbell, and she said, you cannot 
call a Christmas song Tinkerbell. Really? Why not? Do you know what most people think when they go tinkle? <laughs> so they had no idea, so they had to go back home. They go, went back to work and had to switch it out. And that's why we have silver. I see. Yeah. Now they are famous for writing the theme to Mr. Ed, right? That's right. Okay. They made quite a few songs, didn't they? They made a ton of songs. They uh, wrote Buttons and Bows. Mm -hmm. They wrote Quesarah Sarah. Mm -hmm. They wrote the theme song for Bonanza. Mm -hmm. They wrote Mona Lisa. Did they, they quit writing in the mid-60s? Because I'm trying to think offhand just when... They kept... Well, they quit. still had big hits for Andy Williams in the mid-60s. And they kept, they kept writing, but all the major hits were from that 20-year period from the mid-40s <coughs> to the mid-60s. Because mm -hmm. I would look at the credits of some of the TV shows that I would see, you know, their names listed. They were still even working on stuff when they passed away in their 90s. Am I thinking correctly that they also did some work for the Chipmunks? David Seville? They might have, but I do not know. I'm thinking they did. Seems like I remember seeing that on records back when I was a kid. Seems like I had a Chipmunk song on record, and I remember reading uh, their names. Would not be surprised. See, you can't get that off an MP3 player. <laughs> <laughs> I am sending you what I was supposed to have sent you during the week. I think I got, well, no, I, I, I haven't gotten your last package because it's still there, but I did get your other package about a week ago, I guess, 10 days or so. Well, I'm feeling better then because you forgot what I was supposed to send. I was supposed to send the recipe for flocking a Christmas tree. That's right. That's right. I forgot all about that now that you do. Be careful with that word. Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. And that was soap and water, or that's a mixture of some sort of soap? Well, I am... I am just about ready to hit send, and I apologize, yes. I should have had that during the week, but anyhow, here we go, let's see what we got here. Um, before I fell asleep earlier, you were speaking to the fellow from Humbug, Arizona. Uh-huh. Yes, and then it wasn't, I just couldn't stay awake anymore, plus I knew I had to get up early. Um, are you familiar with Santa Claus Land, Indiana? Yes. And as it Yeah, they're so well known for their stamp, and so we had the gal who runs the post office. I see. Um, we were going to have, uh, a lady who was the founder of what was known at the time Santa Claus Land. Her name is Pat Cook. And I believe her last name is spelled K-O-C-H, but they pronounce it Cook. Hmm? I believe she's, I mean, you know, I think Santa Claus Land was started like in the mid-1940s, so... Uh, she is still around. She's quite an irritating... Uh, speaker, and she still is in the uh, holiday world commercials. 
and I bet she would be really an interesting interview. Oh, yeah. So, but, uh... You know, if we can have to hunt her down, it'd be great to get her sometime. Yes, yes. I think, um, I could, I could probably send that information to you all, um, because, uh, she was going to come in December and speak to a group that I'm associated with, but, uh, she had a prior commitment, but she said that, uh, she would be interested in speaking to our group. So oh, we're looking at getting her next year for our December meeting. I have the sense that Santa Claus Land was the amusement park and, uh, Christmas area that was next door to the post office in Santa Claus, Indiana. Does that sound right? Yes, you're correct about that, yeah. Okay, so the Santa Claus, Indiana Postmaster, and she goes by the name of Postmaster, was Marion Balbach, B-A-L-B-A-C-H. Mm -hmm. She yes. was with us at Christmas last year. Yes, yes, that's right. Nice lady. She was, you know, kind of, oh, I don't know. And I said, well, we're just going to talk about the Christmas stamps because they have contests each year and among the school children. And each year they choose one of the Santa Claus faces and heads that the kids draw as their Christmas stamp. And they make it into the Christmas stamp. And they hand stamp all of these things, and you're welcome to send in 50 at a time. They will accept 50 at a time from all over the country, and they will hand stamp a Santa Claus and get them on their way. It was just such a sweet gesture mm -hmm. to, uh, to do this. I mean, other post offices in Christmassy, with Christmassy names, charge people for it. Like 15 cents a letter, one uh, or 15 cents a card, one of the, uh, 15 cents, you've got to be kidding me. My Aunt Jenny is not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I am about an hour east of Santa Claus land. Okay. And uh, my, that, let's see, I'm two counties east of where my mother uh, was raised. I'm in Harrison County, one county west is Crawford, the next county west is Perry, and then the next county west would be Spencer County, which is where Santa Claus Land is located. And that is a huge German Catholic area over there. I mean, um, over in Jasper, in Dubois County, they have a German restaurant, and they have Strassenfest, and... Um, you know, that's just the heart of the German... In fact, they have a bank down there called the German-American Bank. So, you know, that that is just uh, that whole area. And really, that area is right in the same area where Abraham Lincoln's family moved out of Kentucky. They lived down there on Pigeon Fork. Wow. In Spencer County. It, it's not... I'd say it's within 10 or 15 miles of where the Lincolns lived. Huh. Wow. So it was it was the Cook family, Lewis yes. Cook, yes. who founded Santa Claus, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Was that in '46? It was. I I have um the information that I pulled up from yesterday. It must be earlier than that. The Maybe it was back in the... The town, the maybe, town was, maybe it was in 1852. That was the town of Santa Claus. Yes, and that was founded... They named it... I forget the other name. The previous name 
or Santa Claus Land, but there were two different places in Indiana that had the same name, and then they decided to have a meeting, I think on Christmas Eve, and then, if I remember correctly, they were having this meeting, and then all of a sudden the door blew open and the children shouted, Santa Claus, and that's how they named the town. I pulled this information, boy, you're right on target. Um, I pulled this information from the Santa Claus, Indiana website, from the town hall, um, you know, the, the town website itself. And the first paragraph is, appropriately, it was a child who provided the inspiration in naming this community after Santa Claus, going into the fall months of 1852. There was no Santa Claus community. Residents of the area had spent months trying to select the name of a community, but none of the proposed names had universal appeal. Then on Christmas Eve, as the congregation gathered at the church for yet another meeting, the sound of bells was heard outside, and Santa, a a jubilant child, rang out, It's Santa Claus. And they said, That's it. Why not call the town Santa Claus? And that's how it started. And it says, except for the addition of the United States Post Office in 1856, the town has remained a quaint community tucked away in the rolling hills of southern Indiana. And again, in that same area, is a place called St. Myrid, which is where it's an arch abbey down there where the monks go to study. Hmm. So... You can pull up, I think it's Abbey Press, and find out all about the, uh, about the St. Margaret down there. Abbey Press. Um, and we, we have um, Santa's Candy Castle was restored. Mm-hmm. I saw that on the news. They're trying to restore the, uh, the original village down there. Mm-hmm. It's fallen into some disrepair. This is pretty cool. Thank you for reminding. I had all of this information in my files from last year. See, Walden, I don't throw anything out. No. You you are a terrific pack rat. Yeah, Walden has it all in in his brain. I have it all in my files. (laughs) (laughs) I sound smart because I know where to look. But anyhow, flocking is on its way to you. Uh, Actually, it's in your mailbox right now. And um, if you tell me... What flavor shows you would like, I would be happy to send them. Well, let's see. Uh, were you able to find the Abbott and Costello children's show? I am guilty of not having the time to do it this last week. Well, that is understandable. I, I just was curious if there were many of those shows still existing. And I would um, you know as well. I, I'm really sorry. I, I just... Haven't been able to do it. I mean, I know there's each one floating around, and uh, hmm. well, you know, you know, we'll find out. We'll find out. You know, I had stupid stuff to deal with, like my car got hit in a parking lot, that kind of stuff. You know. <laughs> Were you driving when you when the car was hit? Yeah. Okay. Yep, I was in the car, and I blew my horn a lot, and the guy backed into me anyway. So. Yeah, I, I, I've been in that same circumstance, uh, and it's like, okay, what more do you want me to do? Get out and wave my arms? <laughs> hey, there's a car here. <laughs> I saw you. Man, you never heard me. You know, oh, no, I never heard you. Of course not. You had your stereo turned up, and my ears hurt, and I was behind you. 
anyhow, um, what else would you like when I go out to look for Lou Costello's Saturday morning children's stuff? That's right. Um, good question. How about, did, I think what, one point where we were talking about some monitor shows? Oh, yeah, I've got a file of monitor shows. Yes, that would be great. Of course. Go ahead. How long were those monitor shows? Were they all weekend? Were yeah, 40 hours straight. They were very big. So I'm going to put it. Was three hours. I'll put them on a, on a DVD for you. Okay, that would be great. All right. Of course, I was always a fan of Gene Rayburn. Ah, uh, good and I guess that's where, I mean, he, I don't know if he got his start on monitor, but was he an NBC announcer? I think he, he gained fame first, I think, uh, during the, uh, the game shows, then monitor drafted him because he was such a familiar voice and name, mm-hmm. and he really enjoyed doing the radio. I was out Christmas shopping, and would you believe they have a, um, a new uh, version of um, Password for sale? Oh, wow. On there, that you know, Password mm-hmm. was made famous by, uh, basically it said, you know, Alan, Alan, Alan Ludden and Betty White. Of course, they're, you know, marketing, marketing that you know, on Betty White's fame now, but I was mm. fairly pleasantly surprised that they, you know, even had something out with uh, a, a board version of Password. Speaking of Betty White, huh? uh, speaking of Betty White, she's going to be celebrating 90 years old next month. I saw that they're having a, is it, she's having a new show that's based on a German show? I'm not sure, I haven't seen that, yeah, I haven't seen that, but NBC's throwing a birthday special, and they asked me, and so I've asked Patricia and Lori Gassman to help find some radio clips, so hopefully it will make make the cut. Really? Yeah. I was surprised, I've gone on YouTube and found quite a few things on Betty White, there is actually some color NBC footage of her, I think, doing a commercial for, I forget the hair... It's a cosmetic line, I think, from 1957. Wow. Yeah. So, um... Well, she is... I don't know how... Most people know how she got her start in showbiz. Do either you know how she, she got involved? Well, she started out with Del Wood doing Life with Elizabeth, I guess, in 1951 or so. hmm Yeah. And I've seen some of those clips on YouTube. Um, and then I think I saw where she was interviewed and she would turn down a role on the Today Show that I think went eventually to Barbara Walters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. She was a secretary. Was she really? She was a for secretary the- for the Dick Jockey named Al Jarvis in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so she kept, she kept him, you know, occupied for his radio shows. And they asked Al Jarvis to do a TV show. Mm-hmm. And he just thought it would look funny, him just standing, just sitting there talking about records without somebody to talk to. And they said, oh, why don't you just have Betty come up and just sit by you? Mm-hmm. His secretary. And that's how it started. Now, I, I'm going on memory here. Did she start out in New York and then went to California? Like, did she start in New York... Uh, with television in the 1930s? 
we we I know we found some radio stuff in the forties. I don't know if she did any any T V before then or not. I'm thinking everything her stuff is be after World War Two, starting in radio, then moved to T V in the fifties. I thought I had read at some point that she started out with experimental TV in New York in the mid 90s. Could be. Could be. I, uh, I, I haven't looked any of that up yet to find out. Okay. When do you have to have your clips um, ready for this special? We turned it in last week. Oh, you've already turned in the yeah. information? Yeah, but they're taping it January the 8th. Oh, I see. So, yeah. we'll see. Well, if I work. find anything, I'll pass it along and Please do. maybe you can send it on in. Please do. Um, yeah, but uh, I tell you, to still be popular in the media, in you know, in being 90 years old, I mean, you know, that just kind of goes against what uh, you know, what the so-called experts say that you can't be. Well, she started. She started this this version of George Burns. If you think about it, George Burns, when he hit 90, he was still going strong. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and Bob Hope was the same way. Yeah. But, uh, and... Uh, but Bob, Bob Hope's last TV special, wasn't that in the mid-90s? Early 90s? Yeah, but for the one for that he did for USO? Yeah, it was 1990, 1991. I see. Because yeah. I, I know they were, they had said earlier they were playing clips from... There was a Fox uh, radio special and they were playing clips from... The movies, television, radio, and the uh -huh. movies, and they—it was a fairly good special. I don't know if it will be played um, over the weekend on the Fox radio stations, but uh, they had good clips of uh, radio shows, and they were mentioning about the TV specials, and and I thought that Bob Hope had continued with the TV specials until the early 90s. So I think you're right. Yeah. So. And uh, Dolores just passed away this year, too, right? Right. She was 100, 101. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bob made to 100. Bob outlived George Burns by six weeks. Really? Both of them made to 100. Yeah. I thought that Bob had lived longer than George Burns. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's right. That's amazing. One fellow I would love to hear interviewed, and I don't know. Um, I would love to hear... Uh, how Frank Cady is doing, you know, who played Sam Drucker on Green Acres. Uh, I always thought he was such a good uh, actor. Um, I don't know if he's even still alive. Um, he's still alive from what I've okay. uh, been able to tell. Um, on the uh, Me TV station here, mm -hmm. they've been playing a lot of the uh, holiday specials from uh, Beverly Hillbillies and Green Acres and... Uh, and I did a little research, and I saw where he he is supposed to still be living. Uh, his wife died, I think, uh, about mm. four years ago. I think she died at 91. I think he's supposed to be 96 years old and living in Oregon. Well, guys, just drop it, put it in a note, and just drop it to me email, and I'll go and I'll go chase him down. Okay, I'll do that. I believe I have your email. Yeah. Well, if not, if not, you know how to how to get hold of my my companion, my traveling partner via email. Traveling partner? Yeah. I haven't heard a peep out of traveling partner. I know. She's fading. She's, she's what? She's, she's fading. She pooped out. 
Patricia's going to do that, too. Patricia's, yeah, I hope so. Patricia's going to fall asleep next to a telephone pole tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, if I stand close to anything, I'm just going to zonk. All right, Dan. I'll talk to you tomorrow night. 
All right, Watch everybody have Patricia. a good day. And you too. You take care. Watch out tonight. Okay, bye-bye. I, I will not tolerate abuse tomorrow. <laughs> She'll be vim and vigor. Like <laughs> good night. You have a good day tomorrow. There you go. I got Dan. Oh, we lost him already. Well, I've already let him go. I want to say good night. Uh-oh. I will not tolerate you. You are on the air. Hello. Fred, how are you Down. doing? I just had to show, I just had to leave Patricia some good news before we went to bed. Okay. What? The topper stuff has arrived. I haven't opened the box yet, but I've got it. Oh, wow. Oh, you have to have listened to two episodes. What's that? Morrow, you, uh, you got to turn him up again, Walden. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By tomorrow, you must have, when you call in tomorrow. Yeah. So, I will expect you have watched two episodes. I can do that. And then Sunday. And then two on Monday. Okay. <laughs> Three on Tuesday. How many are in there? 30? I think there's 35. 35, that's acceptable. You can have them done way before the middle of January. Yeah, I can do that. Good. I can do that. I'm looking forward to opening up the box. Uh, let Except me know what? how they are. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought you could use a bit of good news. It really is. Thank you so much. I have been picked on all night long. <laughs> yeah, I missed it. I fell asleep most of the night. I caught the last one, though. See? See? You know, now you, now you have the impetus to stay awake. Yeah, well, I just... Yeah, it's true. I just woke up. I'm ready to start my day. Patricia Day. <laughs> are you, you going to actually go to bed and get up again in four hours? Oh, yeah, she'll, she'll be sleeping. We sweet. have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's not by choice. <laughs> my sister blew into town, and she said, I'm coming for Christmas, for over Christmas, and... I said, well, you know, that's great, because I'm going to have regular with Walton over the weekend, and then, uh, you know, we can get some stuff done. She arrived tonight at about 6.30, and I deliver her to the airport at 9 o'clock on Monday. Okay. And that's not PM, by the way, everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, you have a wonderful weekend with your sister. What time are you guys on tomorrow night? Uh -huh. 10, 10.30. Okay. We'll be there. Well, I'll probably be listening. All right, Brad. And you're going to have watched how many episodes? Two. Very good, Fred. Thank you. <laughs> Great. I went top of the ball today. I'm ready to rock when the day's beginning. Oh, well, yes. Okay, so you got a head start here. That's right. Why don't you watch one right now? And tomorrow I will ask you two questions, unless you want one now. Uh, no, I'll take two tomorrow because you keep paying in and out. I'll make sure I have a good phone hooked up tomorrow night. All right. I hear better. Okay. Yeah. I missed the bill and came interview. I'm so disappointed. I started listening to it and I fell asleep. Oh, see? You know, you guys. It's bad. I hope somebody taped it somewhere. You whipped out on us. Yeah, we, we got it. We got, we got it on... Hopefully, a recording file. We'll get it up there some sometime. Sounds good. Yeah.
Patricia is going to be pooped out. Good morning, everybody. We love you all. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, and we will be back tomorrow with more goodies. Hooray for us. Hooray for us. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, Walt. It's Good night, Patricia. Just make your mind up The piper must be paid The party's over The candles flicker and dim You danced and dreamed through the night it seemed to be right just being with him. Now you must wake up. All dreams must end. Take off your makeup. The party is over.
The man who invented love must have been thinking of somebody else. Couldn't have possibly thought about me. The man who invented love must have been thinking of someone who should know how to cope with this. Someone who would not be a Must have been thinking of some other girl. But why can't that girl be me? Why can't that? Twelve o'clock tonight. 
Campbell's Soup bring you Amos and Andy. received many Christmas greetings. Both boys are extremely happy and are looking forward to Christmas Day. As the scene opens now, we find Amos in the front room of his flat. Andy has just entered carrying a few packages. A small lighted Christmas tree sits on a table in one corner. In the back room, Amos's baby boy is asleep in his crib and his little daughter is preparing for bed. Ruby and her mother have just gone out for a short while. Sit there.